Before we get started on today's episode, which is a preview of the International Fundraising Congress, we wanted to let you know about a special offer for Do More Good listeners. In collaboration with our friends at the Resource Alliance, we are delighted to offer £175 off the last remaining tickets to the event from the 17th to the 20th of October. Simply use the code IFC175 when registering at the Resource Alliance website. You're about to hear why it's such an incredible event, and if you do have the opportunity to get out there, then we'll see you in Nordvik. Welcome to the Do More Good podcast. Now, if you're new here, prepare yourself for a journey filled with heartwarming tales and career wisdom from the movers and shakers of the third sector and beyond. Those of you who've been with us for the previous hundred episodes, rest assured, we've got the same three jokes you've become accustomed to, but more stories from people doing more good. I'm Kenneth, the Global Head of Commercial and Fundraising at the amazing organisation that is Part Run, and the kind of person who feels right at home busting a move on the dance floor of an industry conference. And I'm James, big fan of Spreadsheet Formula and Head of Public Fundraising at Sue Ryder. This is the Do More Good Podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good Podcast. The Do More Good Podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good Podcast. Good, do more. Do more good podcast. Do more good podcast. That's what you want me to say. You're You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. Here we are, James, back again for another version of the Do More Good podcast. It's episode 108, and it's part of our special series on the IFC, the International Fundraising Congress. How are you? Kenneth, I am excited. Bags are packed. The baby-faced passport has been checked. Batteries are, are charged and ready to go. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. We're off to Nordvik. Exciting yeah. times. Have you got your little do more good stickers though? Oh, Kenneth, I'm glad you have mentioned them because yes, I did dig them out and we will be handing them out over the Congress. So look out for those. We usually try and put them on people's lanyards, don't we? And uh, they're the sticker to have. So look out for people with those and accost us and demand them from us if you see us. It's been a little while since we've caught up. What's going on in your world? Well, not a lot, you know, just just prepping for this, <laughs> preparing, working hard. But this has been on the we've been talking about doing this for a little a little while. So I've been I've been looking forward to it and excited about it and mm. talking to them uh, and our guest about about what we're going to do over the next few days. And one of the key things for me is prepping for the gala night. It's the biggest mm. night in fundraising, right? The Gala Night at IFC. Uh, and the theme of that is myths and legends. So there's a fancy dress element for those of you that, that want to take part in that. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your outfit. But are there any uh, kind of myths and legends that really appeal to you? I'm thinking Newcastle Boy, Alan Shearer, maybe Jimmy <laughs> Nail. Uh... Ant and Deck. And exactly, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> any, any from your hometown or any from the oh. country that, that you would adopt for, you know, the dance floor? I mean, myths and legends, right? Is it, is it right that myths are made believe or stories, legends are, are based on real life or the other way around? I'm not sure. I think one that comes out for me is it's got to be Robin Hood. You know, oh, being nice. a lad who was brought up in Nottingham next to Sherwood Forest. You know, my dad was Friar Tuck. Uh, my <laughs> mum was Maid Marion. And I'll be firing bows and arrows right across the, the gala evening. So, yeah, I think Robin Hood for me. I'll get my outfit sorted. Uh, stealing dance moves from the rich to uh, to give to the poor as well. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Nice. What about you? What are you going for? Kenneth, you'll, you'll appreciate I put some time and effort into this one. So I looked at London-based myths and legends, and I came up with Spring-Heeled Jack. 
which I had okay. not heard of before, but I really delved into the Wikipedia page of Spring Hill Jack. And he terrorised the streets of London in Victorian times, as far as I can tell, by jumping out and surprising people. But he did so with his long, pale face, his horns on his head, and according to witnesses, by breathing out blue and white fire. So he wore tight white clothes and a dark cloak, and he had metallic claws, which actually would be quite scary, like somebody jumping out on you. The papers and the penny dreadfuls around this time really went to town on this. They they covered some instances um, of this character scaring some young ladies, including on Blackheath, which isn't isn't too far from me. Um, he also stopped a coach and horses by scaring the horses before in all of these instances. And this is where I think the name comes from. Like escaping by jumping over something tall or something high, like a fence or a building or a nearby basketball player. Um, but he would always escape by by jumping, so hence the name Spring Hill Jack. Um, but my favourite bit of the story, and I realise I'm going on, but the favourite bit of the story is that the police arrested a man called Thomas Milbank, who had apparently been bragging about the fact that he was Spring Hill Jack uh, in the pub. And for some reason, this went to trial. I don't know whether jumping out on people is a criminal offence, but it went to trial and it was covered by the Times newspaper who said that the, the, the trial fell through, actually, and he was acquitted because he couldn't actually breathe out fire in the courtroom when asked. So it feels well, like a flaw in your plan if you're going to claim to be Please, here. Please subscribe if you'd like to listen to the next episode of the <laughs> Do More Myths and Legends episode. That was a fascinating story. We have now 35 <laughs> seconds left on our a lot of time for the podcast, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, look forward to seeing your outfit when you're rocking yeah. that out in uh, good old Amsterdam. There we go. I'm sure there'll be better ones out there. No, but it's, it is it is a fantastic event. And obviously we attended, when was that? 2019. 2019. 2019. And the gala evening was certainly something to behold, a real kind of highlight. And I was just having a look at the kind of some of the materials and information that's out there and it's it's building quite nicely it's it's warming up and just really excited because and the reason i was excited and i thought about this is because in this fundraising sector particularly you and i james based in the uk you know we're quite insular in terms of the bubbles where we get our information and where we hear about what's going on in the sector we probably don't look outside of these shores very often we might yeah. get a bit from the us a bit come over from europe but a lot of it is based around the uk but actually my reflections on attending ifc last time was i came back and felt like i'd truly taken a look into what was going on outside in in the wider world both through the people that we met through the the, the conversations that we've had the sessions that we attended so yeah i'm really excited to get out there and experience that again and, and hopefully our guest can can talk a little bit more to that james do you want to crack on with the intro yeah brilliant Okay. To preview the International Fundraising Congress this year, who better to give us the backstage gossip and behind the scenes plans than the chief executive of the Resource Alliance, Vilika Van Rijn. So that's who we have for you, Kenneth. In addition to hosting the IFC, Resource Alliance work globally to strengthen the social impact sector, supporting a community of 30,000 people fighting for a better world. And at the helm of that organisation is our guest today. She brings experience from SOS Children's Villages, where she led the strategy and analysis team from her time as a consultant with funders in Mexico, supporting micro enterprises in emerging markets and 13 years at Oxfam on global fundraising strategy with a passion for connecting people to create social justice around the world. The myth, the legend herself. Welcome, <laughs> Vilika, to the Do More Good podcast. 
Nou, dit is really the nicest welcome ever to the conversation. <laughs> and also to the introduction about the IFC. And I have to say, I can't wait to see this gala night and to see the new guys dressed up as Robin Hood and Spring Hill Jack. I'm a little bit worried, I have to say, about safety security issues. Already when you started with your arrows flying around the dance floor and then talking about yeah. jumping on buildings and whatever. But yeah, we will we'll see. We will find it out. Well, the big reveal will be will be quite that, won't it? Are there any are there any myths and legends from your hometown that spring to mind? Are there any famous stories? Any you know? Well, the uh, first really funny thing is uh, my hometown, as you probably can hear from my accent, I'm I'm Dutch, and my hometown is literally five kilometers away from where IOC takes place. It's the next village down uh, at the coast. And that's oh, where wow. my parents are, that's where part of my family is, where my old school friends still live. Wow. So, yeah. IFC is bringing me back home. Yeah, that's a real homecoming for you. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Are they coming along? Will we will we meet them? Will they are their family? Um, I, I can <laughs> they definitely come for a sneak peek, so you definitely will see them. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. Brilliant. Well, look, before we get into talking about the conference, we'd like to kind of delve mm-hmm. a little bit more into your into your background. We've talked about how you're driven to connect people, social justice, creating that. Where did it all begin for you, Vilika, in terms of what, what sparked your passion for the, the not-for-profit and the, the charity sector? Yeah, thanks for this question, because, well, we started talking about my hometown and it was kind of an enclosed tiny village and an environment. So at the age of 18, I had a very big desire to travel and I had the luxury being able to do so. So I spent a lot of time traveling across the world, seven months Latin America, seven months Asia and really was completely in awe with all the different cultures and the different ways of living that you yeah that you that you approach and people that you meet so did a lot of reflection about how do i live my life how do other people live their life what is right what is wrong and from that moment onwards there have always been a desire of that linking and connecting and learning from each other more i think the world's such a beautiful place and finding out how you know people live what is driving them and why and in a way defining the connections there but also diversity in a way and the yeah the learnings along the way mm. just enriches your life um, mm. so that's where it all started and I used to work for a software company so it really started with a private sector organization and then I thought profit optimization won't do it anymore so I moved to Oxfam and Oxfam was really my first start and it was a fundraising role within the Netherlands for a couple of years where it was all around income diversity and testing new channels and absolutely loved it. But Oxfam was also at that time very much looking at, you know, becoming a global organization instead of a so-called modern organization. And Oxfam in the Netherlands, where I worked for, they supported that financially, but also with temporarily expertise to exchange it with the different affiliates that were initiated. So that brought me straight away uh, to India, where I lived and worked for a couple of years to set up fundraising activities there and to help the support of an Oxfam India. That was kind of the roller coaster for me to move around the world to different parts parts of the world and yeah, help help those Oxfam affiliates and fundraising activities and exploring the different ways of how fundraising works in different parts of the world. 
I'm interested in the travel aspect because getting to sort of 17, 18 years old and thinking there's a big wide world out there. I want to go in and discover it and spending seven months in uh, South America and seven months in eight. Where did the, where, is there anything that you can kind of link that back to maybe from your earlier life about that, that need to kind of be out there and discover the world? Not really sure. I think I've always had a desire to to see what is out there, and and probably I think because I felt quite enclosed in the in a relatively tiny village that I grew up with. So everyone knows the Netherlands as very liberated and everything is possible. But personally, I did not necessarily have that feeling. And maybe because I grew up at the coast, you know, there is this big horizon there, and what is behind it, and curiosity that's definitely there. And I think I've been curious my whole life there are so many things that I haven't explored yet or haven't been yet or people that I haven't met yet and where it was in the past very far I think now I have that sense even closer you know because that's you can find it in a way everywhere but yeah I think curiosity is the magic word yeah nice I love the idea of a young you st- staring at the horizon and, <laughs> and, and dreaming of going off and working around the world that's fantastic in addition to a broad range of places mm-hmm. that you have you have lived and worked, there's also been a broad range of roles that you have taken on throughout your career. Uh, we touched on strategy development, there was change management to mm. innovation, social impact, uh, and as, as you said, the, the corporate sector as well with your, your tech company. Is there a common thread throughout all of those roles or is that just how a career happens and it, and it, it flows from one thing to another? Well, I think there, the linking, connecting, partnerships, marketing elements, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean what tech your name you give it, but I think it's really trying to find solutions together as human beings. And then, of course, towards achieving a bigger purpose. And that could be in the private sector, in a software company, hey, we have a problem you might know how to translate that problem into a solution. But how can we find ways together to make that happen? You know, we have a big purpose in Oxfam Novik to focus on a certain campaign. And at that time, Oxfam in the Netherlands did a lot of campaigns. How can we link those campaigns with our donors, you know, getting petitions in, but also seeing them afterwards, how can we get financial support for this activity? And yeah, really linking people with the purpose that we want to achieve. We did quite some campaigns around football activities in the past. Do I have to say anything more about the Netherlands and the big desire to play football? And <laughs> at that time, maybe a little bit better at it as they are right now. But um, yeah, you know, linking on big European competitions where we knew the Netherlands would play an important role, uh, putting attention around uh, sports events that were happening, sports wear, sports campaigning. Oxfam at that time was very active around fair wear clothes and uh, initiating those kind of organizations around fair wear trade uh, and really kickstarting that that debate and then linking with big events, of course, always helped. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think in the end, that that's what it's all about. You know, how can you get people active to change behaviors to create impact uh, and to achieve purpose meaning a better world in the end yeah yeah i really i really like that linking linking people with purpose and it links us mm. on nicely to our to the to the next question around essentially i guess part of what the ifc does doesn't it it links people with purpose puts them all together connects them in 
in one location and this year obviously you've got a big virtual offering as well so we will come on to that but just wanted to talk a little bit more about the resource alliance for maybe people who are listening who have you know heard of ifc maybe seen resource alliance around in in different realms can you just tell us a little bit more about the organization and how you actually go about kind of connecting people and, and building networks yeah so maybe a little bit about its history so resource alliance uh, exists already for over 40 years wow and the really nice thing is that it's really initiated with this this kind of we need to achieve a bigger purpose you know we need to achieve impact faster to achieve our purpose and how are we going to do that and actually we are going to do that we will work closer together so in 1981 around 36 people came together from 11 countries to exchange about fundraising and actually talking about the idea of fundraising is relatively new in Scandinavia, in European countries, in Northern, Northern American countries. What can we link and learn from each other to create a faster impact? Because, you know, if we start seeing as competition, we are gone. But if we actually start working together, we really can create a faster impact. Um, and it always makes me laugh in a way because that first start is about 36 people we probably would see that now as a failure. And if I see what came out of that, you know, and the regional activities that happened afterwards, the training programs, capacity building programs in regions, IFCs in different regions. We had IFCs in Asia, but also what we call pop-up events that we have across the world from Australia to Brazil, Singapore to South Africa, where a lot of that learning from across the globe gets shared. Yeah, that's something really beautiful. So yeah, Resource Alliance started there, but nowadays we are much more what we call a global community. And especially, of course, uh, COVID fast forwarded that in the virtual uh, element as well. So where people used to get that feeling of being part of a community when you have an in-person event, we really want to create that similar atmosphere and that similar environment uh, in a digital community so that we can reach many more people across the world uh, and connect them and share them with either content, expertise, learnings, good practices, but sometimes also just with a sparring partner or a collaboration opportunity from across the world. So yeah, that's what we what we do at the moment. A lot of, a lot of focus on creating a digital community and uh, linking and sharing there. And the other element is, of course, now post-COVID, we can reach out to the regions again. So we have an, an IFC, an international fundraising conference in India in February next year. We start our pop-up events again in Australia and in Brazil and Singapore this year and really hope to extend it to many other places across the world in 2024. Mm-hmm. Exciting times. Yeah, it is. And often we talk about the sector as being very willing to to share. People that get into into this kind of social change sector are there in it to make the world a better place. And that's the aim. If they come out of it, making the world a better place for them or, for, or through other organisations is not about protecting your IP or beating another organisation to funding or, or something like that. You get to benefit from that and you are kind of supercharging that through the resource alliance mm. and playing to the sector's strengths, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And you know, we noticed that last year as well with when IFC was back for the first time after after COVID and people were in person there, but also also online. But some of the first timers will literally say people are sharing everything. You know, I do not even if I ask what is your retention rate, what what do you do here? What what works or what is your best campaign ever? Uh, everyone is very open. And I think that's something that still humbles 
me, us, as resourceful lines a lot, that it's really there, you know, in the ideal world, that's how it should be. And that's what is there. So that's so beautiful that that is created. And that that's almost a given when you're part of that global community. Because yeah. that's quite unique and it doesn't happen a lot. Um, but yeah, that openness and sharing is really crucial. And with that, a lot of learning and therefore yeah, fast forwarding with that accelerated impact, which is beautiful. And of course, it's happening across the world. And it's funny to see, you know, a lot of people and fundraisers would say, this is not happening in my, my country or this will never work in my culture. But all these inputs gives you kind of a building block. It's a starting block to start from. And of course, you have to adapt it to your local situation or you have to adapt it to your organization that you work for, or your culture that you're operating. But at least it's a starting point and not um, reinventing of the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like Kenneth talked about at the top uh, around being at IFC last year. And you talked about a travel and work around the world. It just broadens your perspective. And this it, it, it's mm. not impossible anyway. It can be done. It just needs a bit of work in my culture, in my background. Or, yeah, that wonderful moment of, I don't know, maybe kind of yeah, coalescing around a direction and actually this can be done and I'm going to make this happen. And um, that leads us mm. on nicely to, to kind of themes of IFC this year, et cetera. But your passion for solving problems has has firmly come through, the, you know, the last five minutes of our chat. And and people solve problems best by collaboration, right? That, you know, put your ego to one side and let's solve the problem. Yeah, just on that, just on that point, James. I just wanted to to pick up a little bit on on the kind of the board and and how AFC kind of brings some of those mighty brains together to you know solve these big problems because we have a lot of big problems and I'm sure a few of them that will be touched on at IFC this year, you know. Can you tell us a little bit more about maybe some of those individuals that, that you have within the organization that are helping you on, on your mission? Yeah, I think that's really the beauty of the role that I am in. I'm working with a board and an advisory panel that are experts from across the world. And it is just thrilling every time you have a conversation with them. But also, you know, it keeps me kind of traveling across the world secretly while <laughs> not having to move. Um, so we have a very diverse and international board. They come from Northern America to Marcello in Latin America. Uh, with a very innovative and, and climate change background, extreme peace. We have um, three people from Africa, Naila from the Arab Foundation Forum. She's the CEO of the Arab Foundation Forum, but really representing this whole Arabic area and a lot of the foundations and trust in a way. Um, we have Nana from Waxi, Western African Civil Society Institute based in Ghana. We have South Africa, where we've done a lot of activities in the past. Wow. Uh, and there now followed up with Colin Heberton, who has been a volunteer at IFC's joint advisory panel and became a board member. Uh, and of course, Asia with Ingrid based in India. And Ingrid is, she calls herself a um, philanthropy geek. And I think that's even an understatement. She's completely obsessed with fundraising, but also operating quite a tough, I would say, environment to do fundraising at the moment in India. And you know, it's quite outspoken about it and looking at new initiatives there. They are talking about a social stock exchange, for example. So all those kind of new learnings and new inputs are super exciting. And the same counts for us for the advisory panel, also very international uh, very recently recruited a couple of new people from Kenya, South Africa, and Brazil. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting to work with such an international group. Global all-stars you've got a list of there. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so then like... I am there as the Dutch 
the Dutch one. <laughs> You're the captain. You're the captain of the team. <laughs> how did these people come onto your board or join? How do, how do you identify them? I'm just interested in, in, in that process. Well, it's actually quite an interesting question because we are at the moment looking for three, maybe even four new board members. So what we do is really looking at what kind of expertise do we need? Mm -hmm. What kind of diversity do we need? And really to make this clear, diversity is so much more than regional background, culture, ethnics, etc. We are also looking, for example, at age differences. We really started recognizing right now we have an amazing board. But actually, are there really enough young people in there? So mm -hmm. it's a con continuous reflection on how can we do better and how can we, yeah, how can we improve? But also looking at other sectors at the moment. Of course, you know, a lot of our people come from non-profit organizations, but we know that social impact is more than non-profits. Individual start movements, individual people. We have social enterprises really creating that impact at the moment. So we want also to hear their voices and their inputs within our board to keep on challenging us uh, if you're doing the right thing. Mm. And the same counts for the advisory panel. So if you're looking at an IFC program, if you're looking at the setting of a theme, the advisory panel is absolutely crucial there and is our panel and advisory board to really influence us on making the right choices and the right decisions. And sometimes even triggering, saying this is not good enough. This is IFC, it has to be better. So it's keeping the standards high, but really working with an amazing pool of people. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to ask around maybe performance management. You know, you've talked about kind of the aims and the mission and, and, and what you're trying to do, but how do you hold yourselves to account in terms of delivering that change or that growth or that learning or connection? Well, we've just actually approved earlier this year a new strategy and new strategic imperatives and what we really want to achieve there. So one of the things is we want to reach many more people, but especially also many more people from across the globe. So right. not only from certain parts of the world. Um, so if we are looking at an IFC, of course, we want to have a certain amount of people and number of people there. But what is really important for us and what we are really, truly, uh, I would say, proud of is that we can say there were people from 80 plus countries there. And these aspects become really important because social impact is not happening in one or two countries and we need all these countries and we need that innovative thinking and we need those new ideas that are coming out um, different parts of the world to be shared with each other and therefore to learn from each other so yeah just to give you an example where is our presence if you're talking about the thirty thousand, they literally come from every country of the world <laughs> i've done my research when i started working at at resource alliance and it's amazing to see that map our presence in India and South Africa, for example, is quite big because of events in the past. But that is a lot where we really want to expand our work. Also, because in those parts of the world, not always there is there is not always a fundraising association there or a civil society association. So the communities have not been formed. There is not a lot of sharing of good practices there yet. Mm. Uh, and when they are in place, we really try to work with the local or national or regional associations. Mm. create that impact together yeah i'm getting excited just listening james i'm sorry i know we're going to yeah. come on to talk about ifc but you know we can't help when we have these conversations uh, you can't help but reflect it to your own situation and the own roles that that we play in in our our charities or not-for-profits and 
you know, one of the things that, that I've kind of struggled with working for a what is a global organization, but very much heavily kind of at the moment reliant on the UK, but has aspirations to be much more global in Park Run is coming to IFC with that mindset and actually what I can take in. You know, we're in 23 countries at the moment. But we have very little presence in those other countries and a lot of what we do in those countries is run by volunteers and and so kind of how I can help support them to grow and develop through being in my role in the UK. Yeah, I'm just lots of ideas triggering and lots of thoughts on on what I'll take from the, the conference, but we wanted to ask about IFC. That's what we, we're here for. That's what we're, we're kind of talking about for those who haven't attended. And hopefully there'll be a few of them listening to this and maybe thinking mm-hmm. of attending or or perhaps even on their way and already got a ticket and, and ready to come. How would you describe it? And what is the the value and, and connection that you've experienced yourself? It's a, it's a really interesting question. And maybe I would explain it with giving an example of trying to explain to Microsoft how IFC works, what IFC is, what it's all about. So Microsoft is one of our headline sponsors at the moment. And we're really happy about it because they're going to bring a lot about the AI knowledge. Um, of course, everyone's super excited about. But we had a look at the idea, this is going to be an American style Congress. And then you have to say, no, that's not really what it is. It's literally a community coming together. It's it's three days. I, I often describe it, forget the whole idea about the Congress because that sounds almost too formal, too business-like. Even when we're talking and people are talking, you can do networking there. Forget all these terms. Think about your three days on a festival with people who really want to create impact, with like-minded people, and they love to share. They love to be part of a bigger a bigger audience, and they really want to you know, make that change and that yeah. create that impact. Yeah. And that starts from joining breakfast together in the morning to going to sessions together, to talking with people at the coffee corner, exchanging things in open sessions around, this is a topic that's really relevant for me. Who else you know, is thinking the same about it? Can we have a conversation here and see if we can find some solutions together to you know, a gala night and a party in the evening, yeah. really celebrating? Uh, the role of fundraisers, change makers, resource mobilizers to create that impact. And I think that's that's the very valid point as well. Sometimes um, we have to celebrate as well to yeah, to feel motivated again and inspired again and part of that big gang, that big group and a big group of beautiful people that really want to create impact. It's funny you should mention you compare it to a festival because that's exactly the the sense that I mm. got when we came a couple of years ago. And and I sort of compared it to that feeling of, of being at Glastonbury or that, that, that air of something special, like you're at the mm. FA Cup final, you're at the epicentre for that those few days. This is where it's happening. This is where everybody is. This is where at least everyone wants to be. There's that kind of magic in the air. And you're right, it goes, everyone's excited, whether that's over, the, you know, meeting at breakfast and having a bit of a chat or talking about how do you share the news about Park Run over lunch. And then, yeah, I mean, I was very excited. I definitely didn't want to be anywhere else when Kenneth was doing the running man on the dance floor in a dance off at the gala. So, you know, all of that stuff comes together to just be, it feels special when you feel lucky to, to you kind of feel lucky to be there while you're there. And that, that adds to it and and builds on the on the legend that is IFC. 
It's Kenneth's turn to get the drinks in this week, so I'm going to let you know that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Do More Good Pod. Or if you're a professional business person, you can find us on LinkedIn too. There's a website, domoregood.uk, packed full with episodes, blog posts, details of the team, and a link to the newsletter for your VIP content. Coming back, two pina coladas and a lager for me. Is there anything about that really excites you about this year's event? Any kind of standout presentations? Not to say that other years haven't been brilliant, but you know, is there anything you're really looking forward to this year? Are you are you heading to, or you decide when you get there? Uh, what's your what's your kind of strategy for getting around IFC? Well, we have a couple of, I would say, new things this year that I'm very excited about. I think one of the interesting things is, for example, we have an, a campaign director from a Green Party from Norway. And that's something that we haven't done before, you know, but that's really exciting about how do you build a movement around climate change, tackling climate change, and what can we learn outside NGOs, how others do that? And yeah, mm-hmm. what will that give us and bring us or are there collaboration opportunities uh, there? Um, we have quite a lot of interesting tracks, of course, a lot about how to do fundraising, what is the latest in fundraising. We have a lot around innovation and new tech. Uh, I mean, AI is, of course, all over it as well, but in a very pragmatic way, you know, we will do amazing sessions in the so-called innovation hub, where we're really talking about new innovative and tech solutions. And of course, AI will be all over that. And it's kind of an informal setup where together we really decide what is the impact of AI and how can it help us as organizations and as fundraisers, resource mobilizers. A lot of discussions around purpose. Are we still doing the right thing? Because... We're quite outspoken about it, but an extra 1 million euros, pounds, dollars will not, and poverty will not tackle the climate uh, change um, that is required. So what are we really doing and how can we create the biggest impact to achieve our purpose together? And we have uh, what is very exciting, new open sessions. We started that last year. But this year, they will be much more present. And open sessions actually means about a couple of topics that have been addressed by the community is really important. To bring groups of people together that is led by delegates to say, how can we how can we nail this? How can we transform this? How can we change that around? So it will be topics around climate change, for example. What if we work closer together? How will that look like? Can we really create impact as a group together? And can we do more? And how will that look like? And what are we going to do the year from now? Um, if you're talking about other topics around collaboration, if you're talking about shift the power and shifting the funding paradigm. So there are quite a lot of topics there that will be initiated where delegates and participants will have their voice raised and can take up that action where we as Resource Alliance, we will really want to follow up the year afterwards. So see almost IFC as a starting point for a trajectory yeah. then afterwards to follow up. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. That's exciting. And all of this comes under a theme of Unite for this year. That's the theme. How does how does that get chosen? Do you decide that in advance? Do you look at proposals from from speakers who kind of decides upon that? And how does that get rolled out? The main decision and the conversations happen at the advisory panel. So last year was all around you know, shaping the future together. That was the main theme after COVID. And that really felt like the right theme, seeing what is happening outside in the world. 
um, we decide our theme actually almost before the IFC is starting. So we are already talking right now about next year's theme. What became really clear last year by bringing people back together in person and online um, was that collaboration opportunity. Like we are so happy to finally be back again. We need each other. We need a community. We need to work much closer together mm -hmm. uh, to really create that purpose. And that resulted into Unite. Uh, and how that works a lot of you know a lot of ideas get thrown up a lot of what is happening around us what really do we feel will create a change uh, a lot of voices from across the world will be heard and then we really want to move that into kind of an action as well and unite was the the answer for it yeah yeah nice sounds like a lot of pressure pressure to <laughs> pressure yeah. to the deliver what the IFC is known for. I mean, you know, like we've, we've spoken about a number of times, it's it, an absolutely brilliant experience, uh, always lots lots going on, lots to take away. But you're talking about people coming from 80 different countries coming together. Yep. And, you know, the Resource Alliance, you are delivering this conference, this 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 gathering. Where do you where do you as an organization get your your inspiration from? How do you ensure that it it meets all this excitement and everyone is going to leave it after four days feeling like they're empowered and united. Well, maybe first of all, you should ask this question to my team about pressure because <laughs> they are really the one making it happen at the moment. And as we are just, you know, close to IFC, mm. yeah, the pressure is definitely on to get everything finalized. And sometimes you have to give in as well. We seem to have every year at this moment visa issues, you know, that people cannot come because there is a massive delay of getting a visa, which is heartbreaking for us, especially when you're talking about amazing speakers or delegates and participants that want to come over. But yeah, sometimes there, there are hiccups uh, along the way that, that you just have to accept in a way. Yeah. And of course, all the rest we really try to deal with as good as we can we get a lot of inspiration from people around us we we are really very humbled with a tremendous voluntary network people that are coming back year after year after year to support us and volunteer at ifc but also beforehand uh, to come up with great ideas to come up with new initiatives uh, and of course if we're really talking about speakers and presentations we open speaker applications straight after the IFC is finished. And we have a luxury that we receive over 500 applications in two wow. week periods. So there is a lot of that coming in. And then from there, of course, it's looking at, is this fitting everything that, that really fits around the, the theme that we want to address? Is it representing, you know, enough different voices? That's always, it's a lot of work, but it's also really inspiring and beautiful. And then the difficult task to say no to people sometimes, like, no, this year, your session is not chosen. But just to give you an example, you were talking about what are some of my highlights. This year, we got a great application from somebody from Madagascar. And I think everyone in the team was like, did we have ever somebody from Madagascar at IFC? And it's really nice when an advisory panel says, great session, great person. Let's do it. Yeah, lot, nice. lot to share. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you've got like, that advisory panel, you said earlier on, are saying things like, it's IFC, that's not good enough. You know, you're holding yourself to a very high yeah. standard there. And you've got 
like you say, it's, it, for those people that haven't haven't been or are heading, like it's kind of says, maybe they're listening to this on the way. What they can expect is you've got those five hundred applications for a hundred different speakers, but you've got masterclasses going on. You've got mm. kind of big stuff happening around those lunches. It's, it's deliberately designed so that people mix and network and meet, and yep. you take over the hotel, and it's all dressed potentially mm-hmm. around the theme so there's it's a vast amount of work that goes into making it making it what it is and it and it comes off doesn't it because it you set yourself that high standard and, and hit it so it's massive yeah, we really want to give a lot of people a very good time but also have that welcoming atmosphere you know that you start to link and connect and feel comfortable mm. and really want to share and open up yeah and that's definitely definitely the aim yeah. the effect is that it creates that bubble doesn't it that kind of safe bubble yeah. for people to share and, and you're in it for those few days yeah. you're, you're not disappearing off and doing other things there aren't there isn't a wedding party in the same hotel and a conga line coming through to distract you you are in that headspace for for the duration and yeah it allows you to to really immerse yourself in it and, and go all in on fundraising for a few days which is wonderful yeah it's really that that festival feeling where it feels like you're a couple of days in a different world yes um and it is a beautiful beautiful world of linking and connecting and often i think if you look at the role of a resource mobilizer fundraiser campaigner chase maker often it's it's quite a it can be quite a lonely role in an organization and the beauty of bringing so many of them together and now also, you know, linking the online elements, which is really fun when all these questions are coming in or when you have a poll on screen and some of the people in the audience are looking around them like, where are all these people raising their voices, you know, and that's then realizing, oh, wow, we have even, you know, the whole backup of all these people online joining us as well. I think that's really, yeah, yeah. it's tremendous. Yeah. And a lot of people share that as well. You know, it's very inspiring for them. It's motivating. Um, we've heard international fundraising director saying, once I've been three days to IFC, I really can go for another year. It's creating new collaborations, new initiatives. The 16 largest international NGOs have decided you know, to share all their data with each other, which is always presented at an IFC. That was an initiative that came out of an IFC you know, to really say, we need to share more what is happening in the world and make that available to many more people. So yeah, a lot a lot happens there. A lot of new fundraising activities have been initiated at IFC with people talking together. What is the next new thing? And kind of by discussing it with your peers, saying, let's go for it. Let's try it. You know, I'm not alone and the only one or the only crazy one. Uh, wanting to make this happen no if we are doing with three organizations yeah if you do that and i do that mm. at least yeah we move it we move it forward so yeah it's it's really a place where things bubble and trigger and get initiated that's you a know, beautiful thing it just it just i just had a thought as you were speaking there james when we went in 2019 i was involved in the iwatop session that was then and got to present on the board on an idea that I wish I'd thought of. And you know what idea I did? And at the time, (laughs) at the time I wasn't working for Parkrun, but the idea that I wish I'd thought of was Parkrun. Yeah. So it almost was like it's set in motion 
me ending up working for the organization that I presented on. This isn't the, the end of the story, is it? This is the beginning of, of many stories <laughs> and ideas and collaborations and things. So yeah, get, getting there is the first bit, but it goes on from there. And whatever you talk about, you may end up working for in the, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, exactly. One of the things we're really looking forward to is the keynote speaker. Hmm. So for us, for the organisation, for the delegates, that's quite a, quite a coup. What can you tell us about Erica? Erica is absolutely amazing. So Erica Tienowev, professor at Harvard University, the dean for the Faculty of Engagement, which I think brings it very close to our work. I'm not really sure if you have ever had a professor of Harvard University. Erica has done a lot of research around movement building and then really looking at what is creating aspects that secure movements, that create impact, and that create a change that is in the end required by starting the building. One of the interesting parts there is that actually the resource shows from, I think, 1900 onwards till date, that only 3.5% of the population is required to create that change. And that is mind-blowing. You know, where we always think you need to have a majority to shift, to shift things. You need to have a majority to transform things. You need to have a majority to change political debate, anything. Um, actually, it's not a majority. It's 3.5%. That's a message of hope. That's mm -hmm. a message of, oh, man, we can do that. That's a message of action. And therefore, you know, let's get united. Let's collaborate together. And let's really make that, make that happen. Erica will exchange a lot about as well, what are successes, what are failures, what drives a movement, what doesn't drive a movement, how do you get to a 3.5%, mm -hmm. what works, what are, you know, almost what we would say in fundraising resource mobilization about what are the decision behaviors in your head that are happening, the same is happening around the bigger movements and the change aspects. So we get a lot of learnings. And we get a lot of examples. And I think also we get a lot of drive and energy mm. that it's absolutely possible that we can do it. And by kicking that off at the beginning of the IFC, we really hope that everyone is going to say, it's about time that we start uniting, that we start collaborating. Because if we want to tackle climate change, we can't do it alone as a Greenpeace or Friends of the Earth organization. If we want to end poverty, we need to start collaborating together. And that's really the message that we want to give to everyone and the opportunity then afterwards to make that happen. Yeah, I remember the keynote speaker uh, from when we went before Kenneth, and it was one of the best plenary sessions that I think we said on the, on the show that we'd ever been to. So I'm sure this year it's going to fire everybody up into a non-violent frenzy before they head off into that first session. <laughs> Is there a change that, that you mm. would like to see in the world if you could inspire 3.5% uh, of people to change something in the world? What would it what would it be for you? No, I'm not going to pick one 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 issue alone. <laughs> uh, there's too too much happening. The world's on fire, so we definitely need to talk about climate change. I have to admit, I'm turning 50 this year. I'm going to admit it. But I have seen a lot of work around women empowerment in my life. I really feel like gender equity and equity in so many levels is actually declining at the moment and improving. So do we need a new feminist wave? Hell yes. Uh, you know, it's about time for it. So those are topics that, that I want to work on as well. I would love to get rid of extreme poverty. I mean, 
there is so much wealth in this world. The redistribution of wealth really can end a lot of things. Are we willing to do it or not? We are continuously talking about systems change. You know, it feels a little bit like the new buzzword at the moment. But are we really changing the system or are we just talking about it? So I think for me, the thing is a lot around action. Start acting what you're preaching. Hmm. If you know what your purpose is, start working towards your purpose. And then a lot is possible. And that means we have to work together. We seem to be very focused sometimes on saying, no, but this organization is doing a little bit of that or that organization is doing a little bit of that and we don't like that. But we really forget what is our big purpose and what are our common enemies almost. You know, if we're talking about tackling climate change, it's very clear that fossil fuels need to finish. So why can't we agree on that all together instead of saying, hmm, the way you campaign is maybe not completely what we stand for, etc. So stop that infighting and start really fighting the big, the big enemies out there and start uniting because it's possible. 3.5%. And I would almost argue, and it might be an interesting exercise to do, if we look at all the organizations present at IFC, and all indirectly the organizations and the donors and the campaigners and the volunteers that we are reaching out to, are we hitting the 3.5%? Mm. Have you confirmed, Erica, yet? Because if not, you could you could take the stage. Just do that again. Just wonderful, <laughs> wonderful stuff. I think Love what's really... Passion. what Yeah, what's, what's... Shall I get my banner out? <laughs> get, yeah. get your banner. Yeah. banner. What's, what's exciting is listening to you talk there is what could be triggered from a conversation at IFC this year that may go on to have absolutely world-changing impact in the future. And I'm sure over the history of your IFC, there must have been small conversations over breakfast or coffee or after a plenary or whatever it may be that actually went home and just manifested themselves and actually turned into reality of, of real change and i think that's that's a real exciting headspace to kind of get into what what if yeah it's the what if of making it possible uh it's the shaping of people including myself don't get me wrong and what are we really doing there as resource alliance but the beauty would be that ifc is a starting point and from there we move on to make it happen it's not on Friday, goodbye, very nice seeing you, we see you next time. No, it's really a starting point. And can we get commitments coming out of IFC that we keep on working on throughout the year, you know, together? I do not know how that looks like uh, exactly, but that's really where the community comes in, the different voices come in, and we start uniting and connecting people and organizations together to say, let's go for it. Yeah. Because, man, it's possible. IFC is the starting point, but I'm going to use that as the ending point and start wrapping up this podcast because I think we could sit here and, and talk all night about what's coming. And I think just hearing your passion and energy for it and, and your excitement as well as, as ours for, for the event. But as we do on all of our podcasts, we do have a few quick fire questions that we drop into all of our interviews. So we'll wrap up with those. First question is, if you could transport yourself back in time and meet your 20-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give and why? Go for it. Don't limit yourself on fear. Go for it. 
I like it that. doesn't that it's firmly your answer but it doesn't sound the 20 year old self needed necessarily that much of a kick to go and travel the world and change it if she went um, way, it's true but still I need, I need <laughs> go for even more go for even more yeah jump uh, jump to hurdles that's maybe the other one yeah yeah just jump over it yeah nice can you tell us about one life hack a productivity tool or a skill that you have taught yourself that you think everybody needs to know about oh my goodness well i'm going to use something that's a typical dutch tool that probably everyone should have and this brings it back to our board so in the Netherlands, when we grew up, you used to have kind of custard in glass bottles. Right. But you can imagine thick glass, uh, custard in glass bottles. It won't really empty. So in the, in the Netherlands, you had something that was called the flesen liquor. It's a beautiful Dutch word, flesen liquor. And it actually scrapes the final bit out of the bottle. Now, why am I saying this? As a child, you absolutely cannot see that custard in that bottle and you can't eat it. So, of course, you you know you empty it. But my Indian board member, Ingrid, is completely obsessed with Flesenica. And she has mentioned it in her household so many times that her husband decided last week to buy one, all transported from the Netherlands into her home. So, hey... The Flesen liquor is traveling the world. Everyone should have one. <laughs> and we should move back to glass bottles with custards again. Yeah. I think that might be up there. The yeah. best life hack we've had so far. I've just Googled one. James, yeah. there is one in the post to you as we speak. <laughs> we, will, we will turn up with I, IFC with our Flesen gonna... liquors. I was going to say I'd have to take my teddy bear out of my suitcase to make space for the flesh and liquor to bring home, but now I don't need to worry. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, and the and the last question. So as a podcast that's focused around people doing more good, what's your favourite story or inspiring individual that you've met on your journey recently who has done something good for others? I have to say Sapana. Sapana wrote me an email that she really wanted to be at IFC because she created an organization in Nepal, and this is quite heavy actually, that is taking care of abandoned bodies. People who pass away but cannot get a funeral. And of course, during COVID, that happened continuously and all over. And she made sure with a very big group of volunteers that they got funeral in the Hindu tradition. So it means a, a burning. That kept on going because she realized even after COVID, there are always abandoned people and they do not have family members and we really should treat them well. And she started a small organization to reach out to me if she could join IFC. We really hope her visa will be approved on time. But this is a woman, Sapana, in her early 20s, wow. who really decided, I'm going to make it happen. She has been recognized as by the BBC as the one of the hundred most inspirational and influencing women across the world. And I think she absolutely deserves it. When she wrote me, it's one of those emails that you read, you know, on a busy day and you think, oh, quick, 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 quick. And it completely blew me away. And I had to read everything about her. And after that, we are in a beautiful, almost pen friend relationship. I really hope. We can see her in October. 
But if not, I think one one day we will meet. But it was oh. so special. Yeah. So Panaris, she gets the love definitely. Oh, fingers crossed that she makes it. Let's hope so. Mm. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much, Viliki. It's been um, brilliant to talk to you. We're both really excited. As we say, we can hear your excitement for it. We wish you mm. and the team all the best with the final preparations and with all of those visa applications. And we hope everyone arrives mm -hmm. safe and soundly. And we shall see you next time in Amsterdam. Really looking forward to it. And very excited about your Ruben, Robin Hood outfit. So. <laughs> I'm just going to have to bring it on. <laughs> yes. you, you absolutely set expectations here. So the, the mark is set. Bring it yes. on. Fantastic <laughs> stuff. I'm looking forward to that too. Wonderful. Wonderful. James, any final thoughts? Oh, I'm, I'm just excited, Kenneth. I was, I was excited before. I'm even more excited now. We have got a train to catch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll wrap that one. Thank you very much. See you soon, Bo. Cheers. See you soon. Just before we go, can we ask a favour? If you've enjoyed this episode and you've made it this far after all and you want to help us reach more people and attract more guests, then we'd love a review on iTunes. Alternatively, if you haven't got anything nice to say, then say it in an email. Get in touch at contact at domoregood.uk and let us know how we can improve the show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another story of someone doing more good. 